this time of pastor, Brother Richard Hayes. Amen. Thank you, sir. Have your Bibles this morning. Be turning over to the book of Psalms 23. Going to read that entire psalm in just a moment. You that have been in the work for a while know that there are some strange things that happens in the work of the Lord, especially those that have done some preaching. And I remember a few years back that I'd got a message prepared, and man, I was just excited about it, and I thought that's exactly what God wanted, and I'd come up on the old stage over there and sit down on this seat and and ready to get up and get started, and uh, ever who was doing the announcements then introduced me, and the Lord said, you can't preach that sermon. And I, now, a lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but if, you, if you've been here, you know what I'm talking about. I had no idea where to start or anything, and so I just walked up and opened my Bible, and where it fell open, that's where I preached from. I'm a firm believer, and if we know we're going to have a Bible lesson or a sermon to prepare for those things. Yesterday, I spent all day, well, not, not all day, but a large portion of it, uh, getting a message together, and I got my outline, and man, I really felt good about that thing. I thought, boy, this is really what God wants. And... Uh, I got it all set out, and I got up this morning, and I went over it again, and I marked all the places so I wouldn't have to fumble around to find them, and I was just feeling good about that. And just about the time I got through marking them, God said, that's not what I want. I don't understand it, why you feel so good about something one moment, and the next moment, it seems like God shuts the door. So I'm like the fellow was that, let his notes fly out the window. I don't have an outline, so I guess I'll have to depend on the Lord. And I want to read this 23rd Psalm because I believe it would be a blessing to our souls. We live in a troubled world. It seems like every morning you get up and turn the newscast on, something else bad has happened. And I hope that this 23rd Psalm will be an encouragement to you and to myself as well. If you'll stand with us, we're going to read all six verses. Most of you could quote it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your blessings. We realize, Lord, the goodness that you show towards us. 
Father, I pray that you'll bless us together this morning, that you'll stir your children, that you'll convict that one that's here without your son. Help us, Lord, that we might increase in faith and our dependence upon you. Father, we ask for your presence today in a special way. In Christ's name, amen. O King David wrote this psalm. He said the first phrase, he said, The Lord's my shepherd. Now, I know at one time David was called a man after God's own heart. But David failed, as great men will do that don't put their full trust in the Lord. David had a time when his faith fainted and he got away from the Lord. But he could still say, the Lord is my shepherd. I like that personal pronoun. You know, it's one thing to say the Lord is a shepherd of his people. But when I can truly say I understand, the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. He's responsible for providing for me. He's responsible for protecting me. He's responsible for everything that happens in my life. And everything that happens in my life is for my good, whether I recognize it or not. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Now we understand who David's talking about here. He's talking about the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastors are the under-shepherd of flocks, but Jesus Christ is his chief shepherd. And that's who David was talking about. He's my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, he says, I shall not walk. You say, wait a minute now. The Lord's my shepherd, but there's a lot of things I want that I don't get. We have to understand that sometimes our wants are not motivated by the right spirit. He said, I'm going to provide for you. Paul said to the church at Philippians, my God shall supply all your needs. And we have to learn to believe that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then in verse 2, you know, I don't know much about sheep. Just what I've read. I, t- I said last Sunday, I didn't know anything about lions and didn't want to know anything about them. I don't know too much about sheep. But I do know that sheep has no sense of direction. And they need someone to lead them. And a good shepherd does that. But he says in that second verse, He maketh me. Not that he requests of me, or that even he commands me. But he makes me to lie down in green pasture. You know, I believe God expects us to work. I believe he expects us to work and provide for our families and I believe he expects us to work when we get involved in, in uh, his work and, and uh, produce other souls and all of that. But there comes a time when we need to kind of slow down and back up and relax a little bit. 
If I'd have known that and listened to it, there's a lot of things I knew when I was younger I just didn't listen to. And I probably knew this, but if I'd have listened and heeded that and took some time to just kind of relax, relax and let the body catch up, uh, I might still be going a little stronger than I am today. But the Bible says here that God makes his sheep lay down. But look where he makes them lay down. In the green pastures. Now, another thing about sheep, they'll never lay down until they're fully satisfied. And if you could grasp that this morning, God will make you to lay down when you are fully satisfied. Now, I don't mean getting self-satisfied. Getting satisfied with ourselves and what we're doing for the Lord. But getting to the place where we can rely upon him and be comfortable in the fact that we said a moment ago that he will provide for us and protect us. And he said, when they're fully satisfied, he will make them to lie down in a green pasture. Not only are they satisfied, but they're right in the middle of all the abundant blessings that they need. Green grass all around. So here I lay, fully satisfied with blessings all around. Then he says, he leads me by the still waters. God has put an instinct in sheep that they won't drink from running water. And the reason they won't do that, if they get out in that water where there's a current and their wool gets soaked full of water, they no longer can stand up and so the current would sweep them away. And God's put that instinct in them. And David said, the Lord, the great shepherd, will lead me beside the still waters. How refreshing water is. I remember one time as a young man, uh, we were doing some tree topping, and uh, me and this fellow took a job topping a great old big tree, and all we had was a, a handsaw that you use like that. You know, the power you had was the muscle in your arm. And uh, we got down there, and the feller was going to help me, decided he just couldn't get up in that tree. So I got up there and cut a couple of limbs off, probably about a foot and a half through, and it was hot. And man, I was so thirsty. And when I came down, that water was so sweet. Nothing ever tasted better. And David was saying, the Lord will lead me by those still waters and I can satisfy my thirst. But what's more peaceful? What brings more contentment? And being by water as it slowly flows down the river. Here he is, fully satisfied, lying in the green pastures, with the still waters accessible. What a wonderful place David found himself because the Lord was his shepherd. Now, was David's life trouble-free? Certainly it wasn't. 
David had much trouble in his life that he brought on himself. But he realized God is my shepherd and he will take care of me. And he goes on in the next verse. What a blessing this is. He restore my soul. How many times have we ever gotten tired of uh, doing the work of God? Seems like sometimes you get out, Brother John, and you do the best you can and you work hard and nothing happens. And uh, maybe you guys don't get like that. But there's been times I felt like just throwing in the towel and quitting. But God says those that wait upon the Lord inspired Isaiah to say, if you wait upon the Lord, you will mount up with wings of eagles. There will come a time when I'll give you new strength. There will come a time when I'll give you new encouragement. I've been out visiting and visiting, you know, and people slam doors in your face and People call you nasty names and run you off and all that kind of things. And, you know, you get to the place like I said a moment ago, you feel like just throwing in the towel, and then you'll go up and knock on the door, and they'll say, I was just waiting. And they encourage me. God knows just how much you can stand. And he restores the soul. And God knew there was going to be times like that because he admonishes, admonishes us. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't get tired. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up in well-doing. You know what we forget sometimes? God has told us that we're to go out and be witnesses. And if we do the very best that we can, we we go out and witness. And if we don't win a soul, God still marks that down and says, you've done what I said. It's much easier and much more encouraging to go out and win a half a dozen people. But all God does then is says, you've done what I said. And if you honestly tried and you didn't win anybody, God said, you've done what I said. Do you see what I'm trying to get across to you this morning? The the real uh, crutch of the matter, the real uh, nucleus of the matter is that we do what God says. And he will restore our souls. And then he says, I'll lead them in paths of righteousness. I'll lead them in the right path. There are paths over in the land of Palestine that go around the edge of the mountain and they're just about wide enough to walk. And up here is a hill almost straight up and down there is a drop off. And so the the, uh, uh, shepherd has to walk along and then the sheep light up in single file behind him and he leads them in the right path. 
And that's what David is saying about the Lord. He'll lead you in the right path. But in order for the shepherd to lead the sheep in the right path, the sheep have to be willing to follow. And so do we today. We are the shepherd's sheep. And God help us to have the sense to follow. And if you find yourselves walking out of the path of righteousness, walking out of the right path, you can be sure you're not following the shepherd. Because he always leads. He doesn't have but one path to walk in, and that's the path of righteousness. And if you're not walking there, you're not following him. So the Bible says that the shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's all for him. How many times do we get this mixed up? People come to church. They, they sing that little song. I don't remember who put it out about excuses. And there's one little place where we all laugh when that big old husky man tries to sound like a woman and says, the preacher didn't even shake my hat. And that's more serious than what we think because sometimes people really do that. They get upset about some little old thing in the church that really doesn't matter. And they forget that what they're doing is for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, not their own self. Brother, we've talked a little bit about quitting. If I'd have been in this business for myself, I would have quit a long time ago. But we have to remember that we're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether things go good or whether things go bad, doesn't make any difference as long as we're following Him and we're exalting Him. I like what old John the Baptist said. He saw Jesus coming down the road and he said, He must increase, and I must decrease. Too many preachers in the pulpits today that's trying to make me increase. Brother, that's not what we're here for. We're here to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That many don't like. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll tell you, there's one good thing about that. I'm never going through the valley of death. I've got that settled. I won't ever have to go. I already have eternal life. I'm not going to get it one day. I've already got it. And I said a couple of Sundays ago, I've been out there four or five times and walked around the age of that valley of the shadow of death and kind of kick dust over it. For some reason, God sent me back. But one of the last things I said to Barry, I said, everything's going to be all right here. And when you get to the valley, don't be afraid because there's somebody there that loves you. And one of these days, Brother Bobby, 
You and I are going to walk over there to the edge of that valley of the shadow of death. And it's going to be dark. A lot of people are afraid of darkness. I can remember as a young lad, uh, man, we didn't have electric lights and things like we've got now. And I mean, you could open that door and look out and it was pitch black outside. I was afraid to go out there. But if my dad went with me, man, I was all right. I had somebody bigger than me, and I had somebody stronger than me. I, I was just all right to go out there and walk around anywhere if he went with me. And that's going to be what happens when we come to that valley of the shadow of death and the darkness is out in front of us. And somebody walks up that loves us. Says, I'll show you the way. And it'll be just like walking with daddy. There won't be any fear. Though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Won't be afraid of one thing. Won't be afraid of the devil. You know why? Because I've got one with me that can overcome the devil. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod is for fighting off the enemy. I don't know what David used when he killed the lion and killed the bear. He said he'd done it with his bare hands, but I got a feeling he started out with that rod in his hand. It was just a short uh, club-like. That's what he used to protect the sheep. Then he said, not only have you got the rod, but you've got the staff. That's that big, long thing with a crook on it. And when the sheep would get kind of rebellious and not follow the master, not follow the uh, shepherd like he ought to, sometimes they'd slip off of the cliff. And the shepherd would have to ease back and take that long shaft and reach down and put that crook around the sheep and lift them back onto the path. And many of us have had to be lifted back to the path. David said, because of that, I could go through the valley of the shadow of death and not be one bit afraid because you're with me. You got your rod and you got your staff. And I tell you, that's real this morning. Verse 5, there prepares the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now what David was talking about, he was well familiar with the shepherd and the sheep because he had been a shepherd himself. And the shepherd would come up to a new pastor and they'd have the sheep to stand still and they'd go out through the pasture and they'd pick up all the rocks with sharp edges on them and all the thorns and anything it might injure the sheep that they could find they'd pick up and carry out before they turned the sheep in. But God's saying here, I believe to us, we're in a world that's our enemy. I don't know whether you know it or not, but if you're saved this morning, the world's against you. 
And especially if you've lodged out and tried to be a Christian, you've tried to live like God wants you to, the world's against you. God has prepared us a place in the presence of our enemies. And do you know how safe I am in the presence of my enemy? I'm just as safe as God wants me to be. The devil has all kinds of things that he puts up on us that causes us to be hindered in doing what we think we ought to do. I think I won't ever forget this. First time that I went down to Nashville to have a test done on my heart, we went into this place, and when I came out, they was just a young fella following me out on the street. And he said, I notice you are not too excited. And he said, I'm scared to death. He said, they sent me from work over here to have uh, my heart checked because I was having some chest pain. And he said, I'm scared to death. I never did tell the boy my name, and I never did ask him his. Still don't know to the, until today. But I said, son, this is the way I see it. If I'm walking down the street as healthy as a horse, and God decides it's time for me to come home, I'm going to go. And if I'm landing there on that operating table and God's not ready for me to come, I'm not going. Because God's in control. Though, if we could just grasp that, he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. And then he said, Thou anointest my head with oil. What does that mean? That means if I get hurt anyway, even though he's made preparation for me in some way or the other, I get hurt anyway. He says, I'll take care of that. Oil was the healing agent. I'll take care of it. And he said, not only did he pour oil on my head, but it ran over. I've heard these quartets saying sometimes, drinking from the saucer. The blessings of God were so great, couldn't contain them in the cup. They run in the saucer. I just had to drink out of the saucer. Now, you fancy people don't know what that means because you don't use saucers, but we, we used to have a cup of coffee and they set it in a saucer. So if we spilt some, we wouldn't lose the coffee. God said, David said, God anointed my head with oil and my cup right up. Sufficient, all sufficient, abundantly sufficient. And then that last verse, we sing it sometimes in a song here. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know, I've been impressed lately with the difference between mercy and grace. I keep telling you, but I tell myself a hundred times more than I tell you. The difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is that God withholds from me what I deserve. I deserve to be in hell this morning. 
What an enemy to God. But I'm not there because of God's mercy. And then grace is God gives me what I don't deserve. You know, when I walk through that valley of the shadow of death without any fear, and I step out on the other side, it's going to be glory forever. I can't tell you what it's going to be like. I don't believe you can tell me what it's going to be like. We can read about it and study about it and meditate upon it, but one day we'll step off on that shore and say, I never thought it'd be like this. We talk about old Enoch sometimes. God took him and he was not. Or maybe it says he was not because God took him. And somebody said, well, Enoch was walking with God, and God just said, we're closer to my home than we are yours, so why don't you just come on over? And I said, yeah, probably so. And God said, why don't you just come over and spend a day with me? And it never has gotten night. And he's still there spending the day. And that's what it's going to be with us. What heaven's going to be like. Sometimes we think about maybe somebody else is going to take care of our mansion or something. Nobody will need to do that. There's not going to be any breaking in and stealing. There's not going to be any dust or dirt to clean up. And you're going to live in a mansion of gold. And you'll say, man, it'll be, yeah, that's supposed to be gold. You understood I said it's supposed to be. See how yellow it is? But if that was pure gold, it wouldn't be yellow. It'd be transparent. And the golden mansion you're going to live in will be transparent. You know why? Because men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And there there won't be any evil deeds. <laughs> Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me, <coughs> excuse me, all the days of my life. And after the days of my life has ended, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. I can't comprehend eternity. But I know it's there because God said it was. And I'm glad this morning to be able to say, not because that I'm a preacher or not because I've been good or anything else that is of me, but because of Jesus Christ, I can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Isn't that good? The devil can cause us a lot of trouble, heartache, and discouragement. 
But if we belong to God, he can't do a thing to us that is not for our benefit. I'm going to tell this. I'm going to close. <coughs> it's something else I've told a few times. I wish Brother Charlie was here this morning. He usually sits right back there by his brother. We were talking about this in Sunday school one time, and I said, the worst thing the devil can do to you is kill you. Boy, Brother Charlie's hand went up, and he waved, and I said, Brother Charlie, you want to say something? He said, that's the best thing the devil can do to you, is kill you. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, step out on the hallelujah shore, and be in the presence of God forevermore. We'll ask you to stand if you would, please. Be out our prayer and song leader come. <coughs> Brother Bobby, if you'd stand.